0: It seems that over and over again, the world teaches us to be self-reliant. Life's about succeeding, and success is about who we are and what we do. And in this day and age, surely, we can be and do whatever we want. Really? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading into the final message in this series on having the sort of faith that moves mountains. And we'll be chatting about what it means actually to live out that sort of faith in our lives. I was sitting down with a group of businessmen recently for a breakfast that we'd organised. And I was about to share a message called The Battle Belongs to the Lord with this group. It was interesting to listen to the discussion around the table as people drank their coffee and munched on a muffin. Being men in business, the discussion was around the economic climate and its impact on their businesses. And as we chatted, it became pretty clear to me how self-reliant this group of men had been programmed to be. They were, after all, businessmen. They have businesses to run. They're meant to succeed. And when the economy turns sour, it's almost as though they're failures because their businesses are struggling. In fact, during the economic crisis, I sat with a wise older man and he was sharing with me how much of his time was being taken up counselling other men in his sector, the financial services sector, who were contemplating suicide because they were facing ruin. Whatever we do, whoever we are, it seems that society is programming us to be self-reliant. We have to rely on our wits and our abilities to succeed, and if we don't, we're failures. Never mind that some adversity that we could never control has swept in like a storm off the ocean. No, we're meant to succeed. But here's the thing. If we're so self-reliant, what happens when the storm is so ferocious we can't deal with it? What happens when the mountain is so big we can't budge it? Then what? Well, it's scary. It's really scary. The hardest thing, I think, in overcoming fear in life is actually getting to the point where we have a high level of confidence in God, who God is, what he's done, his might and his power and his sovereignty. It all sounds great in theory. But what about in practice? What about when the rubber hits the road? Then what? I used to think it was all up to me, and I guess in part it is, but not completely. That's just as well, because you and I, we're human. We can't just conjure up confidence. We can't take this theory about who God is and let the theory wipe away our fear, because fear is real. Now, I need something more than that. I need something more than promises on paper. Unfortunately. That's exactly what God has planned too. He didn't want to leave it all up to us. He wants us actually to experience his peace. Not our strength, but a peace and a strength that come from him. Let's pick up what he has to say in verse 28 of Isaiah chapter 40. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. See, great, there's the theory again. But watch now for what comes next, beginning in verse 29. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. See, even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Do you see the point? Where do the power and the strength come from? Do you or I conjure them up? No, they come from the Lord. And we need that because even youths will faint and be weary, and the young and the strong will fall exhausted. But, and here's the but, the glorious, wonderful but. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. He gives those things to us when we wait expectantly on him. And that's literally what the word wait means. Not waiting, grumbling and complaining. Not waiting with our hearts and our eyes downcast. Not trembling, paralyzed with fear. No, it means to wait expectantly. Waiting on God with the expectation that he is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he's going to do. Looking up at him and just expecting strength and assurance and comfort from him right there in the middle of our fear, with our emotions on a roller coaster ride, with our enemies around us, with disaster looming, but with an expectation somewhere deep inside that God is going to act. And what will happen is exactly what he has planned. Do you know what we're doing when we're doing that sort of waiting? We're having faith that moves mountains. We're living it right then and there. Who knows? Will God give us victory over our enemies or not? I don't know. There are more Christians martyred in the 20th century than in the 2,000 years before that combined. We all die sometime. Is he going to heal this cancer or let it take its course? Is he going to give me victory over my enemies or does he have a different plan? Sometimes we just don't know. But this one thing I do know. That those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. God is saying to us through this word today, indeed, He's commanding us do not be afraid. And you know why it is that I'm not afraid of death? Because I have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Sometimes he gives me victory over circumstances here on earth. But other times, he lets me suffer. But come what may, if I'm diagnosed with terminal cancer tomorrow, I am going to put my confidence in the God who has given me a life eternal with him. Just before he was crucified, and when his disciples were trembling with fear, this is what Jesus said to them. You can read it for yourself in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace. I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. So far as we know, each one of those disciples other than Judas went on to do mighty things for God and then they died for their faith. So often we're focused on the here and now, but God's plan for your life and for my life, my friend, is life eternal. That's what I put my confidence in, in Jesus Christ, who paid the price in full for my sin at the cross. God gives us his peace and his strength when we wait expectantly on him. Doesn't matter how big or bad or ugly the enemy is, doesn't matter how fearful we are, God will take away our fear when we wait expectantly on him. That's the sort of faith that moves mountains. I'm Bernie Dimatt, and you're listening to Christianity Works. Hey, life can be hard work some days, and as that daily grind just kind of grinds away at you, it's easy to forget that Jesus died and rose again to give you victory. That's why every now and then, just as the Spirit leads, perhaps when you least expect it even, I'd love to send you a short text message of encouragement straight to your phone. That's what Victory SMS is all about. Roughly every other week, I ask the Lord, what word of encouragement could I give today? So if you like the occasional word, head across to victorysms.org and when you do subscribe, you'll immediately receive a free copy of my ebook power unlimited. Thousands already have, and the most common response, hey, it's exactly what I needed to hear today. How did you know? Thank you so much. It's simply amazing how powerfully the Spirit of God can move through just a short text message. And I'd love to encourage you, too, to live your life in victory. Again, that web address is victorysms.org Now, the whole Positive thinking, positive attitude thing. Well, it's been around for quite a while. You go through a tough patch and people tell you to adopt a positive attitude. Hmm, what do you think? I tell you one thing though negative thoughts, well, they can rob us of life itself. And on that note, let's head back into God's Word. Mm-hmm. I want to share with you right now one of the most powerful things that I have ever learned about having the sort of faith that moves mountains. We spoke last week about the world's template of success, the notion that if we would just have positive thoughts, we can have positive outcomes in every aspect of our lives. We can do anything and achieve anything if only we'll get a positive mindset. It's a seductive idea. It's one that we would love to pull up next to. In fact, so popular is this notion that a whole school of positive thinking has grown up over recent years. But it doesn't matter how positively we think there are going to be things we can't overcome. It doesn't matter how positively I think about my life. One day, one way or another, this mortal body will give up its spirit. And so many a Christian will reject this notion of thinking positively because it's been so linked up with the world's template of success. But God's word is very clear that what we do with our mind actually matters that instead of being locked into the patterns of thinking that pervade in the world and just don't work, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. What we do with our minds matters. Now, I'm naturally a positive person. I, I just am. Probably my training in the Australian Army Officer Academy, at the Royal Military College Dunturn, helped with that. But the way that I'm wired inside means that I see the glass as being half full and not half empty. And I guess it's a great help, too, that much of my work involves me in studying and preaching God's Word. I'm constantly listening to Him and hearing from Him. It's one of the reasons I love doing what I do. Every now and then, though, I get to feeling a little down or lost. Normally when I'm tired and I have a lot going on in my life, but that's generally only a now and then sort of thing. One day, though, I decided to take notice of my thoughts, a stock take, if you will, of the way in which I use my mind. I was absolutely shocked at the number of negative thoughts that I allowed to occupy my mind. I mean, really shocked, because I'd always seen myself as Mr. Positive. In fact, those who know me well would tell you that too. Here's how it happens. We race around doing all the things we do in life, getting the kids off to school, getting ready for work, that long commute, the pressures at work, go, go, go. And this intrudes on our schedule, or that delays us, or, or this person says something that annoys us. And that's before the guy in the car in front of us changes lanes without using his indicator. And so we honk the horn and we think bad thoughts. How could that idiot do that? Ah, oh, I'm running late now. Oh, I forgot to put that apple in Johnny's school bag. Ah, oh, how could that person come up with this? She, she has absolutely no idea what she's doing. Who do they think they are? <laughs> Do any of those sound even vaguely familiar to you? And they're just the tip of the iceberg, aren't they? The salesman sitting there staring at the phone, afraid to pick it up and make the appointment. They're never going to buy anything from me. The wife that looks at her busy husband and thinks to herself, he's never going to understand me. In fact, it doesn't matter who we are, where we live, what walk of life we're in. These negative thoughts creep in and then we begin to verbalise them. We start speaking them out to ourselves and to others. And before you know it, we're wandering through life with a stinking attitude that is going to rob us of the blessings that God has planned for today and for tomorrow and for the next day. This is exactly what Jesus said. You can read it in Matthew chapter 15, verses 17 to 20. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out through the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, And this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. These thoughts and these words begin to shape our reality, they shape how we see the world. And that shaping, in turn, defines the attitude with which we live out our lives. And our attitudes are like the lenses that we see the world through. That's why some people are just mean-spirited and nasty and glum and negative. That pathetic character Gollum in The Lord of the Rings, if you've ever read the books or seen the movies, is a caricature of such a person. Gollum clung onto the one ring that ruled them all for so long that in the end it destroyed him. And we're prone to do exactly the same thing. The problem with all this is, is that these negative thoughts are so insidious. They creep up on us and they cloud our vision. A few years ago, I was fiddling with my glasses over lunch at a friend's house and, and the glasses snapped in two. I was so annoyed, this was going to cost me some serious money. So I visited the optometrist to have the vision tests for a new pair. And one of the things they do routinely is check the eyes for glaucoma. And it was in a routine test that I was diagnosed with that very disease. It's insidious because there are no discernible symptoms. The pressure inside the eyeball remains high and slowly damages the optic nerve at the back of the eye. Over a few years, it can send a person blind. By the time they notice there's something going wrong, they've lost so much of their sight and the damage can't be reversed. Fortunately for me, mine was diagnosed very early and with routine treatment, my eyesight is just fine. This is exactly what happens to us when we allow negative thoughts to rule our lives. Our view of the world becomes clouded and distorted and we don't even realise it. Have a listen to Jesus again in Matthew chapter 6, verses 22-23. to 23. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If our vision is clear, then the light can get in. But if not, we end up in darkness. It robs us of the light. But it's the very last bit of what Jesus says here that's the most damning. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. Like it or not, sometimes the going in life gets tough. It's easy to be filled with faith and overflowing in hope when everything's going fine. But when life takes a turn for the worse, when the pressure's really on, our hope seems all too often to evaporate. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of my latest life application booklet, More Hope Than You Can Ever Imagine. And with the questions at the end of each chapter, you'll be able to chew things over to apply God's word on hope right into the realities of your life. His word is alive and active. Amen. So I'm praying that God will help fill you to overflowing with a rock solid certain hope available to you in Christ and Christ alone through this booklet. You can request your free copy right now. Just stop by at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on one 722 415 and we'll send it straight out to you in the post. Again, that's ChristianityWorks.com or one 722 415 Now, you hear people talking about living a life of faith. Now, that's all fine and dandy. You and I can talk about it too, until, of course, the going gets tough. Then we start wondering, can I really do this? And the simple answer is, well, actually, yes, you can. So let's dive straight back now into the life-changing Word of God to discover how. Our thoughts can destroy us. Truly they can. We get all caught up in negative gloom and doom type thinking. And before you know it, that's what we're living out. We, we close off the possibility that God is in this place. We close off the possibility that He loves us. We we close off the reality that He can and will step in to help us in ways we can't even dream of. And we're blinded by looking through faithless eyes instead of the eyes of faith. Have a listen again to what Jesus said on this Matthew chapter six verses twenty two and twenty three. The eye is the lamp of the body so if your eye is healthy your whole body is going to be full of light but if your eye is unhealthy your whole body is going to be full of darkness if what you think is light inside you is in fact darkness how great is the darkness that's the problem we we kid ourselves we think we're living a good life but in fact it's a dark life because of our negative thoughts so what's the answer? This faith thing isn't a theory lesson. It's about God's grace really making a difference in our lives, especially when we're struggling with negative thoughts. Well, the solution turns out to be simple. It's so simple, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you that it wasn't entirely obvious to me. I sort of knew, but not in a way that made me aware of my negative thoughts and empowered me to do something about it. Here it is. Hold on to your hat. Here it comes. Every time we have a negative thought, we consciously and deliberately replace it with a positive one. And the best positive thoughts of all are what God says about us in the Bible. Let me give you just three examples. Negative thought number one, I can't possibly put up with my husband for another minute. You could replace that with positive thought number one. Wives, in the same way, accept the authority of your husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word from their wives. But by your conduct when they see the purity and reverence of your life. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Do you see what happened here? The negative thought will drive a behaviour of isolation. The negative thought will chill relations further. The negative thought is the pathway to divorce. Now replace it with a positive thought right from God's word because it offers a solution, God's solution. pecking him doesn't work. But as a woman, you have the power to change your man's heart and his behaviour by who you are. When this woman chooses to believe that thought, God's word, over her negative one, she's in effect putting her faith in God's word. She's hoping in God's word. She quietly, expectantly waits for God to renew her strength. The negative thought would end in destruction. The positive thought opens up the way to God's grace and his solution – which one's better, do you think? Negative thought number two. How could that bloke possibly do that stupid thing? You could replace that with positive thought number two. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment that you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but you don't notice the log in your own? Or, how can you say to your neighbour, Let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own? You hypocrite! First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbours. Matthew chapter seven verses one to five. See the negative thought, it will never lead to a solution to the problem. The positive thought, God's word, calls this man to see and think clearly. What have I done to contribute to this situation? Maybe that other guy has something else going on in his life that's causing him to behave that way. How can I help with that? Let me go to negative thought number three. I can't make this phone call. I, I'm not made for selling. These people are never going to buy from me. I'm sick of being rejected. We could replace it with this. Positive thought number three. Give. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure that you give will be the measure you get back. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Well, I'm a giver. That verse is for me. See, the solution is this. Fear immobilizes, but God blesses. And when this salesperson believes that God is in the blessing business, it changes his or her behaviour. It gives them the quiet confidence to believe that God has gone ahead, that God has seen their secret giving, and the rest belongs to him. see what's going on here? This is about putting faith to work. This is about where the rubber hits the road. The moment a negative thought comes to attack our confidence, we replace it with a positive one. And not just something we dreamed up, the word of God, the truth. Because when we know the truth, when we put it to work in our lives, it sets us free. It's time to wake up to this. Faith faith is choosing to believe God's word above our circumstances, irrespective of how daunting, how fearful and overwhelming those circumstances might appear. It's a deliberate choice to believe. And then, when we believe, it's about doing God's word. Letting God's word replace the negative thought and then acting on it. Because there's one thing for certain. If we retain the negative thought, we'll act on it. The wife will isolate her husband. The man will beat up on this other guy at work. Idiot that he is. The salesperson will remain immobilised in their fear and not make any sales. We act on our negative thoughts. Isn't that a wake-up call? Faith has two parts, believing and doing. Sometimes that doing is standing still and letting God do his part. That's still doing. And unless we act on the faith, it never moves mountains. In fact, faith without works is dead. James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith but you do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their needs, what's the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I by my works will show you my faith. In other words, what we do is the active demonstration of what we believe. If we believe the negative, destructive thoughts, we will live them out and they will ruin our lives. If instead we believe God's word, we live that out and do it for God's glory. Faith thus lived out in my life and yours, my friend, that's the sort of faith that moves mountains. Before we part ways today, there's something important I need to share with you. This Christianity Works program is sharing the powerful, practical Word of God with so many people in over 160 countries around the world. But that's only made possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give today will grow to reach nearly 3,000 people with a gospel message. Incredible! Incredible! That means that a gift today of just $35 can touch over a 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today, securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, two things. Firstly, don't forget to request your free copy of that life application book that I've been telling you about. More hope than you can ever imagine. And secondly, we'd love to pray for you. Just click the powerful prayer tile at the bottom of the homepage. Again, that's ChristianityWorks.com or toll free one 722 415 Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond, catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.